Live from Liverpool, this is The Morning Break with Tom Rogers on Teachers Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning, good morning everybody and welcome to The Morning Break on Teachers Talk Radio with myself, Tom Rogers. Welcome. This morning, two things. I've got a special guest that's Charlotte Whelan, head teacher of Waterside Academy, discussing all things poetry recital with students. After that, I've got part one of my special interview with the man himself, Danny Live Steele. from Liverpool, this is The Morning Break with Tom Rogers on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live on the Podbean app or desktop player. Just head over to www.podbean.com slash lsw slash ttradio or search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag ttradio. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the morning break on Teachers Talk Radio. That wasn't supposed to happen. That was just a dramatic kind of rejig of the uh, of the original jingle, you know. Um, thank you, everybody, for tuning in this morning. I can see a few people already entering the live studio this morning to listen to the morning break. Um, it has been, I think, people are starting to suffer. I put a tweet out the other day about the fact that we're four weeks in to this year and the amount of people out there that seem to be struggling uh, in terms of workload, in terms of uh, stress, um, is huge. Um, and it's, uh, you know, my concern was that eventually this is going to lead to to burnout, you know, before the way before the end of the year. And why do I think that? Because I've experienced it myself. I've, I've experienced burnout. I know what the signs are. I know that some people who don't think they can experience it will because they will just hit a wall um and and it can happen to anybody um unfortunately so i think i think it's something that we need to be aware of i think it's something that we need to keep an eye on um whether we're a teacher middle leader senior leader whatever but to be able to actually think about who 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 is in the school? Who are we working with? How are they? How are they doing? Hi everyone. Hammy is texting. Hi Hammy. Hi everybody. And hi to you too. Um, but uh, point I'm making is about burnout is being able to check in with everybody just to see how they are because you know it only takes a very short period of time of working very intensely and it can really burn someone out. Particularly if you consider we've had the pandemic, we've had uh, you know more or less 18 months, two years of, of stress of some people haven't been on holiday. Some people have been stuck inside their homes. It's been a, it's been a stressful period for a lot of people. So actually I think that's been, I think that that adds to it. If you like, that's, that's the context of them people going back into work this year. And it's been, it's been really difficult for people. Um, I'm going to bring uh, Charlotte in now, hopefully. Uh, Charlotte, good morning. Morning, Tom. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Can you hear me all right? I can. I can hear you perfectly. Uh, yeah. Thank thank you for giving up your time this morning. That's not, no problem at all. Now, the reason I've asked um, Charlotte onto the morning break this morning is to talk about, um, well, I guess uh, to talk about poetry uh, in general, uh, as well within the context of whole school behaviour. Um, because... Uh, Charlotte is the head, correct me if I'm wrong, Charlotte, you're the head of Waterside Academy, is that correct? That's correct. 
Yeah, head of Waterside Academy. And your sister school uh, posted a clip of some students reciting poetry. Uh, I think it was last week or the week before last. And it really got a big reaction on social media, particularly on on Twitter. Um, I was wondering, I, I know you've seen the clip. Why do you think that clip got such a big reaction from people? I don't know. I mean, it got it got a, a lot of a lot of views, um, and I think that it's just something a bit different, isn't it? People um, don't see that every day in schools, and uh, yeah, it's always it's always uh, interesting to see something new. Yeah, and your your I mean, I've seen your school account, and obviously you do similar stuff. You you do uh, poetry recital. I think I saw one. Uh, again, this could have been the other school. I don't know, but Aussie, Aussie Mandius, yeah, Aussie yeah. yeah, that was us, I think. Yeah, yeah, and uh, they were all reciting it. I think that was an open evening. Um, I was wondering, what's the kind of thinking behind the recital of poetry for you in 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 your school? I mean, why do you do it? Well, we saw it in another school, and we really liked it. Um, what well, it's good fun. Poetry is good fun. Uh, we do a bit of performance. Uh, children get to shout out loud, which is a really kind of good release, isn't it, sometimes in school? Uh, it creates a, uh, a sort of collective get-together for all of us. Um, and, uh, you know, during lockdown, there wasn't many activities that we could really do all together uh, and to, to unite everyone. So we, when we had a, a kind of key worker and vulnerable children in school, um, that was something that we could do outside, socially distanced, and uh, created a sort of sense of community. Um, and then when the students came back, following the, uh, the you know, the, the return to school, it was something that could bring us all back together. And it, 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 was, uh, it was really interesting to see how the children responded. And yeah, just a lot of fun, actually. Yeah, that sounds, it sounds nice. I mean, how do the students respond to it? I mean, do they like doing it genuinely or do you get some who are kind of like, oh, I'm not reciting poetry? Um, well, you know, children uh, are all different and they all have different opinions and we yeah. all have that. Uh, generally, they all join in because, as I say, it's a bit of fun. Um, if you, do you know any poems, Tom, off by heart? Oh, good God, I wish I did. Um, I don't I know. I mean, I don't know any off by heart. I know, obviously, I know some World War One poems that I could probably tell you some lines from. Yeah. Um, but I don't know any any off by heart. I know I was chatting to my nan um, a few weeks back about this, and um, she, you know, she's ninety six now. But when she went to school in, you know, in 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 Manchester in the nineteen thirties, forties, they they did do a yeah. lot of learning poetry off by heart. Um, and she said it was great. She said that it really kind of uh, set her up. If you like, it's kind of that um, like cultural capital thing, isn't it? Uh, of well, being it, able to yeah, to I mean, the poem. yeah, it kind of is. I mean, I didn't. I know, I'm a, I'm an English teacher, and I'm ashamed to say that the number of poems I know off by heart were quite limited. I, d I did know a couple, uh, but um, the, the the poems that we usually do are on the GCSE spec, and you know it, it's really good if if we know them so that we can we can recite them. And you get a real sense of accomplishment. Um, you know, people like to master things, and 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 we've mastered that. It's really interesting you said that about your nan. My nan passed away when she was ninety six a few years ago, and even when she kind of had forgotten a lot of things uh, as she was, yeah. you know, in the 
the last stages. She remembered the, the poem up the up the every mountain, down the rushing glen. We cannot go a hunting for fear of little men. And you know that was that was sort of with her. Um, and similar r- rural Ireland, growing up, um, gave her that sense sense of accomplishment. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's kind of it's it's been something that has happened. It seems in in our education system, but um, hadn't ha- hasn't happened for a while. Didn't happen when I was at school, and I, I kind of regret that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, when in terms of choosing the poems that you kind of get them to get them to learn, I yeah. mean, is there any kind of rhyme or reason to that? To use the the phrase, I hope yeah. you like what I did there. That was quite clever. I wasn't really it? like that. I really like that. Thank um, you very much. Yeah, yeah. I, I just thought of it off the top of my head, so I you know. See you getting into your rhythm. As well, there you go. There's, there's another another one for you. Um, the uh, yeah, well, we chose first of all the GCSE spec poems um, because yeah, there's there's a double there's a double uh, validation in, in learning those, isn't there? And we chose uh, Ozymandias because uh, you know it, you can really get stuck into that one. Um, we've also asked the children what ones they want to do, um, and so we're learning. Uh, I know why the cage bird sings at the moment all together, um, and that's come directly from the children. So that that's that's where we go. For, go go with it okay great and and how long does it take them to to kind of learn it you know i mean uh, do, how long do they work on it unbelievably quickly um, oh really i thought it'd take them quite a while i thought it would well it took me a while um yeah. but uh, again like we you know we uh, we've looked into and we've been had help with different you know different techniques of, of learning poetry the children yeah. learn really quickly um so what i think the video that you saw was a call them call them repeat um style video um the one that you saw on twitter initially uh from the from cumberland school um yeah. that's how you start usually and then you move on to uh you say the um you say a couple of of words from the line and then the children say finish the line um and then um by the end of a, a few weeks they they usually can do it from start to finish word perfect i've got children that learn them within a week um, and then they get up the front and lead the poems because as i say it's, i think getting older now takes me a little bit longer and, and some of my staff uh, takes us a little bit longer um so it's <laughs> led in that respect and they do really have a kind of a race a lot of them to see to see who can learn it first um and that that's created a real a, a real sense of fun as well. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, do the how do the staff do the staff kind of get into it, or or do they? You know, do, I, I saw in that video uh, that was posted online from uh, from Cumberland School. Uh, I, you know, a member of staff was kind of leading yeah. it and and, yeah. and seemed to be getting. I mean, if I I'll be honest with you, um, Charlotte, if I did that in 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 my school, I think I'd be. I don't think I'd be able to come in the following day. I think it'd be oh. the end for me. <laughs> no, come on, give it a go. You got, you got to try. And <laughs> no. We expect our children every day to try new things. Look, confidence is one of our values at Waterside Academy, and I know from the Cumberland School that wasn't necessarily something that the staff had done before. They've, a lot of them have yeah. been there a long time, uh, yeah. but we, 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 we've got an attitude in our trust that you know we try new things, um, and that I think you really saw in that video, and you, you see that if you visit any of our schools. Um, Again, like I, I was quite nervous getting up and doing a poem, which is bizarre because I'm an English teacher. I wouldn't be nervous doing an assembly because that's my bread and butter. Yeah. But you, yeah. it's, it's quite exposing, isn't it? It's quite like, oh, what if I make a mistake? But we have an attitude where we want progress, not perfection. And it's it's really good when children see adults learning things and um, 
trying to sort of become accomplished at something themselves and they see the process because, you know, it's always good fun when your teacher messes up a little bit, isn't it? But, you know, we've got that attitude where everyone feels free to make mistakes here um, and, you know, that, that, that we all support each other, move things forward. And I think the poetry has quite helped with, with children understanding that, that things are tricky, but you don't give up. And if someone and if someone is uh, is struggling, we we all get in and help. So that's been that's created a really really quite nice atmosphere. Yeah, um, I, I mean, interestingly, with the with the uh, the kind of Cumberland uh, video uh, of the poetry, the, the there was quite a strong negative reaction in terms of the choice of the poem uh, being being. The charge of the light brigade, which is obviously yeah. based within the Crimean War, and, and yeah. so on. We're going back 1854 now with my historian's head on. I hope I got that oh, date right. right. I probably did. Um, and I wondered whether you had any thoughts on. It. I wonder whether you thought there was any kind of validity in the kind of criticism that was fired in terms of the choice of the poem, or or not. I mean, so I must admit. So I can't comment on on yeah. that. Um, I mean, we choose the poems and they, they've chosen them, you know, they, they've chosen similar ones to us because uh, it's on the um, specification, um, yeah. which they learn. The AQ, we do AQA for English and it's on there. The children have to learn it in the Power and Conflict um, anthology. Um, and so, you know, that, that's, that's why the poem is chosen initially. But it's not just taught in a way that is, um, you know, removed. Um, it's 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 part of what they learn in school and we do lots of work around context and all of the other side of it but not necessarily in the performance section because that would take some of the some of the fun and energy out of it um look you're a teacher you know you do whatever you can to get children to remember things um and i suppose that's that's one thing that um that might have you know might have come across in in that recital but as i say i haven't read any of i haven't really read much of the yeah, I mean, John, John, yeah, John, John McGee tweeted at the time. They do realise that this was a military failure, and more than more than half of the, half of them uh, were killed or taken prisoner, and they had to retreat. Uh, one of the replies to that was, "I think it's just simply trying to help them remember quotes for the exam. You won't be able to get much in about context in a lineup." Yeah. Um, it's thoughtful, kind of thoughtful <laughs> teaching is what the what the response yeah. to that statement was. Right. Um, I, I think some people. I think some people have a, have a problem with the kind of um, idea of ordering, not order, yeah, almost like that order and discipline thing of everybody chanting the the poetry. I get, I, I'm not sure. Um, and be mused, for example, tweeted instilling imperialism, making war seem thrilling, pointless deaths brave. As a pacifist, my kids would have been out of there pronto, never to return. Yeah, I should laugh I mean, at that. Fair enough, no. but. But you can't please all the people all the time and people are entitled to their opinion. I think whenever any, you're commenting on anything, you've got to think about intent. What are people's intent? Um, and I think that uh, the intent is that they remember the, <laughs> they remember the poem. Um, and, yeah. you know, uh, as I say, that you... I, I mean, I, I've, I, read you, I've read you a couple of the negative ones there, yeah. I have to say. There's about like 500 positive ones saying exactly. you know, they, well, they, they really like it. What I suggest, because Twitter is a very, I think that's where it was posted, is quite a 
you know, it's quite a, a removed media. I'd suggest if anyone's in the London area, just come and see one of our schools. We have open days here, for example, daily tours every day at 8.20. I know Omar Derry, the head at Cumberland, would welcome anyone that wants to go over there. Um, we've worked together for many years and, you know, we've got the same attitude. I'd say come and have a look. Um, it's always good to see things in 3D and talk to people and, 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 and understand it. Um, yeah, that's yeah, I mean, with, within the context of, I know this was the other school, but obviously I've seen your students doing the, the poetry recital as well. They were doing it during a lineup, right? During yeah. lineups. I mean, is that something you do in your school, the, the, the lineups? Sometimes, yeah, we do assemblies. Um, oh, no, I mean, lineups before they come into to school yeah, or, or yeah, we at do. the end of break and lunch. Yeah, yeah, we do. I, yeah. I wondered, I wondered whether that works and whether you, is that kind of an integral part of your your whole school behaviour approach, or is it something that you, you you just kind of added, if you like, as a kind of oh, we'll do that, or or is it something that you feel has a lot of value? And, 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 I, all, all of the above, really. Um, so yeah. I came to this school two years ago in twenty nineteen. And the school wasn't purpose-built as a school. It, it was built as a free school. And the, the um, yeah, the, the kind of logistics of moving around the school are quite complicated. So it's a real sort of practical measure of lineup. Make sure that everyone just doesn't be on the stairs at the same time. Um, you know, and that's, that's where we started. But we do use it as an opportunity to remind students of things. I found it really invaluable. You know, they've always got a school trip they haven't bought the slip back for. Or there's a, an after-school club that they might have... <laughs> They might have forgotten. Like mm. when they're all there, you can make notices and sort of everyone can. Yeah, true. There. And it's 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 been really useful for that. Um, every morning we start with an assembly, um, and it just really sets the tone for the day. We're a small school, so it means that we can have sort of the, the collectivity of being together, um, which you know a lot of us have were, were missing out on for a couple of years. Well, what has it been? Eighteen months, you know, of of having that. So. Um, it's, it's been really nice um, to create that atmosphere. Lineups is, is a practical way to ensure that that happens. And do the students do that well? I mean, do you, do you kind of, I mean, how how strict are you with the, with the lineups? I mean, are you saying, look, you need to face the front, you need to, yeah. I mean, is it how, how good are they in terms of uh, complying to, to whatever but, rules you have? The students here are, 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 are all in, you know, they want, they want, to do what they, they want to they want to achieve don't they so they know that the teachers are helping them do that and they're there of course you know there's some students that need reminding and that's fine of course we do but our lineups are usually celebrations as well so um today is thankful thursday yeah everybody expresses you know thanks for something if they want to tomorrow is rewards friday which is everyone's favorite day because some of the rewards are chocolate um, and uh, we give out lots of certificates and badges for merits, and so it's yeah. quite a it's quite a good thing that the children want to be part of. It's not, um, you know, I think some people carry with them sort of memories of when they were at school, um, mm. and kind of make Definitely. certain certain assumptions. Um, I went to school in the nineties, and no one lined up, but it wasn't particularly safe. So, you know. Um, it's it's part of what we do and who we are and and yeah that's just it it's just what happens here and it's it's really nice it's really nice as I say if anyone if you wanted to come down feel, please feel free it's it's uh, we have a lot of visitors here actually who and they've kind of copied some of the things that we've done so that's been really nice if we can help others um, and likewise we you know we've got all of our ideas from other schools that we've visited as well um, because we're all in it for the same reason. 
Yeah, Lauren's actually texting saying, singing and reciting poetry are really great for class morale, in my experience. Lining up after break times, straight out of the primary teacher's playbook. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, is it? I mean, where did you find this idea from? I mean, is it something you mentioned there was you'd seen other schools doing it, presumably, and and thought this is a good idea? Yeah, well, as you know, there's been a sort of a big movement, hasn't there, on the um, on the you know about looking at sort of micro micro actions that schools take in order to, yeah. to be, you know, and that's been, there's been a big movement for that. So a range of places and we've visited as a trust, we've visited about 20 schools in the last, well, I suppose with the pandemic, you know, in the last year and we bring back little bits of everything. Um, and I think there's a big movement towards that in a lot, a lot of schools. Um, yeah. A lot of teachers I speak to are either considering it or have, or have mastered that. Mm. So in, it's, it's, it's all part of what, what's happening. And as I say, I, I've worked for 20 years in schools and I know that there's all different things and we've tried different things over the years and, you know, some things work and some things don't. And if it isn't broke, you don't, you don't need to fix it. And this seems to be working really well uh, for all the schools that I speak to. So, um, yeah, that's, that's how yeah. we, we've worked it out, really. And we tweak it all the time, you know, where they stand, you know, where children stand, if it's not practical for where they've got to be. It's, it's a very sort of logistical, fine-tuned operation. But the idea is it means that children get into school, uh, get into class and start learning efficiently and quickly. And, you know, there's, there's, there's a, a, a real sense of, um, you know, let, let urgency and let's get on with it. Yeah, absolutely. And what's your, I mean, if you don't mind me asking, what's, what's your story with regards to the school? I mean, how, how long have you been there and, and what's the kind of, what's the kind of story with the school? Um, so, I came, yeah, the, what there is, I came in September 2019. The school was in, uh, in a very good place um, and um, it had been through a series of head teachers. And, yeah. uh, I mean, anyone can look up the, uh, Look up the, the records of you know the the officer report wasn't good at all. Yeah, right. I did. Uh, be honest with you, it wasn't yeah. very good reading. <laughs> no, it wasn't. And I mean that's yeah. why I came. So I was head teacher at Forest Gate Community School, which has been in the top fifty um, schools in the country for progress for the last five years. Yeah. And uh, it's had um, you know it, it, I joined there in twenty twelve as a deputy head, and then became the head, uh, working under executive head uh, Simon Elliott, who's now executive head of here. Um, Forest Gate and the Cumberland School, um, and uh, one we, we heard about this school that needed needed some help after that Ofsted review, which was in July of 2019. And for some reason, I said yes, and I came along, and it's the best decision I ever made. Um, so I left Forest Gate Community School in, in the capable hands of Tamina Begum, and uh, she was my deputy at the time. Stepped up straight yeah, away, and I yeah. came here um, and uh, brought a couple of people with me. And yeah, hello a, everybody. Um, Oh, sorry. That was me playing a clip that I shouldn't have played. I apologize. <laughs> um, um, yeah, yeah that, the school's so, unrecognizable. I was going to say from where. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to say that. That I was going to ask you about kind of uh, this idea because I I sometimes struggle, if I'm honest, with this idea of like people after one year saying that school transformation. You know, like we went from an Ofsted requires improvement to Ofsted good or Ofsted outstanding within a year. You know. Uh, to me, school improvement is something that that's deeply embedded. That's yeah. to me, look, it's it's something that's real, right? It's something that's in the fabric of a rebuild, yeah. yeah? yeah. So, and and it doesn't necessarily equate to exam result. I know you mentioned progress, like yeah, yeah you'd like to think that 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 
the kind of exam results and outcomes would would you know would would greatly increase if the school improves but sometimes it might not work exactly like that or there may be some you know it may take much longer than than perhaps you would like i mean i always give like the analogy of like alex ferguson at man united you know like his first however many years he, he was like on the verge of getting sacked um do you think there is that kind of culture now in especially when it comes to academies or around you know schools where heads aren't being given the time to sort stuff out yeah don't worry i mean i was yeah so you were there for a while And, and, you know, embedded in order to um, get the school to where it is, which is one of the best schools in the country. So you can kind of replicate it a lot quicker in the next setting, I think, if you if you know the steps that need to be taken. Yeah. Um, and you're right. There is a range of measures that you you use um, and you have to and we do use data all the time to just sort of see you know, temperature check how we're doing and how we're improving. But what's your, what's your, out of interest, what's your top thing? You know, because everyone will say, well, every school's a different context and therefore, you mm. know, school improvement's different in every school. I get that. But is there something that you would look at straight away and say, okay, let's see where that's at. And then let's, I mean, what, what's the first thing you kind of go for, if you like? And, and what's your kind of process? Because you said you'd done it once with, with Forest Gate. So yeah. what, yeah. You know, what are your steps? If you well, like. again, it's, it is contextual, isn't it? Yeah. You know, go in and look. But I would say that uh, get the behaviour right and then everything else goes. I know that's, that's uh, often banded yeah. out. But um, that, that doesn't take that long if, you're very, if you have very clear systems and, and very um, clear communication with everybody about what's expected. Um, and, then, and then you can do everything else. Um, you know, that, that would be my in a nutshell answer to that but it's so much yeah. more complicated than that tom um but i don't of think course. we've got all day to listen to what i've had to... uh, well, <laughs> we, well i've definitely got i'm interested to i mean the only I, it does interest me though because you know as you said you you arrive into this school you know from reading the reports online and everything else behavior probably wasn't fantastic so it's kind of just just thinking about you know you're one person coming in there. I'm, I'm sure you had other people coming in too like with it you you brought in or yeah, were employed yeah, we were at the same employed, time yeah yeah but equally you, you've got a whole kind of staff there you, you've got a big staff yeah. body who, who are yeah. there and, and 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 it's how you kind of implement that sea change um I mean presumably a lot of staff are kind of on board because they want things to to get better you know behavior wise anyway do you know what I mean so I'm guessing there's, there's a buy-in already there um but it's how yeah, we got brilliant staff, um, and yeah. everybody you know picks up, happy to run with things and pick up new things. We got quite a, cult, a good culture of feedback, so if people do feel free to say, "Oh, I'm, I'm not sure about this," and you know, sometimes people don't understand why you're doing things, and that's I think your your uh, challenge as a leader, isn't it, to kind of be able to codify that. And when you're acting quickly, that doesn't always. Um, you don't always allow for that, but usually when people see the results of some of the changes, they, they start thinking, oh, maybe maybe we'll run with the others. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would advise any head teacher that's, that's faced with a challenge to um, 
to, to you know think carefully about accepting it because it, it is a it is a big commitment. But don't be afraid of doing it because you know it's it's so rewarding and and, and there is when when you've got a school that isn't very good at all, the changes are huge. Um, if you've got a school that you take on that's doing quite well, you know you. Yeah, no, I get that. What what what's the kind of things like? If you can just give me some examples of maybe changes within the behaviour policy that you made, or things that you introduced in, policy wise that that you think have had a good impact, whether that be in Forest Gate or whether that be in this school. You know what what is there anything behaviour wise that you've you've kind of introduced and gone, oh, this is better. Um, so you rightly pointed out the lineups. Um, that yeah. that's been really positive. Um, we've brought in. Um, I love an authentic bell, school bell, by the way, in the background. <laughs> yeah. A playbook, which is, um, it's called the CST Playbook because I work for the Community Schools Trust. And it's kind of a, a lesson rubric for how to, a five-part lesson, five phases in the lesson, and how yeah. to maneuver between those phases. So it's been very codified. And that's been really, really useful, particularly for either staff that are just starting in their careers, or some of us, like myself, a bit long in the tooth and might have got into old habit, uh, you know, got into other habits, which yeah. don't necessarily support... Um, support less experienced staff, you know. Um, so what, it, what it's doing is making sure that there's a consistency in our approach so that children just know if they're in French, if they're in maths, if they're in English, the content might, not, might be different, but the way we do things is, is, is very much the same. Having spoken to the children, remember, our Year 11s, um, I think I saw it on Twitter this morning, they haven't had a sort of full education since Year 8. And in that time, you know, full like full year of school since year eight. Um, and in that time, they had um, a new head teacher as well. And they said to me that the best thing since coming back in September is that uh, everything's still the same <laughs> from last year. And I think that that's what, you, that, you know, you've got to find what works, but then you've got to make sure that, um, you know, it's consistently applied. And I think our playbook has, has helped with that. And that happens across the schools as well. So if someone's really good at a different phase in another school, our teachers can go, and watch that phase or we use video, you know, and send it over. Hey, yeah. the way the person's giving instructions here, using economy of language, using the means of participation. Look how useful it is. Um, you know, those kind of things. Um, so oh, it's yeah. been, as we said before, you know, looking at everything, all the micro actions. Um, you know, I say to the students here, we always talk about them being extraordinary. I say to them, extraordinary people do ordinary things really, really well. And that's what we've tried to do as tweaking and, and improving things um, and it is it is a to coin a phrase it is a journey but it's been a really exciting one and as I say I, I do urge anyone that would like to talk in more detail to get in touch it's one of my favorite Will subjects do. Will <laughs> so do. happy to wax on Charlotte thanks so much for taking the time out to come on today really enjoyed chatting so thanks a lot you're very very welcome speak to you again soon thanks very much cheers Thank Charlotte bye 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 that was Charlotte Whelan, who is the head teacher of Waterside Academy. What an interesting conversation, because I think 
there is a lot. I mean, as Charlotte said, this, this idea of lineups is something that is, is very much on trend um, across schools. The, the idea of reciting poetry is something that I've seen across different schools. And, and it's almost like this, this is going back now. You know, if we went back, I don't know, like 50 years or something, like 60 years, I'm sure these things would have been more common back then. You know, um, I, I could be wrong on that one. But like uh, for, in the example I gave about my nan, you know, she's 96 and she remembers now learning poetry at school, reciting poetry at school and um, things like that. So it's something maybe that was done a long time back. Um, and maybe, you know, there is that criticism of it in some quarters now in terms of the the selection of the poetry, in terms of the idea of the kind of order of it, I guess, or the the, the, the dis- using it as a discipline mechanism. I don't know. There's, there's different criticism of it out there. I personally like it. I I personally think it's uh, it's great uh, and uh, and credit. And the other thing I didn't get a chance to ask Charlotte really, and, and something that I think someone like Charlotte should take huge. It's it's something I admire a huge amount. Is someone who says, you know what, I'm going to go in to this place that's almost like broken, and I'm going to try and turn that place round. And that takes a huge amount of resilience and commitment to do that. So hats off to her. Uh, as a as a as a leader as a teacher and i'm not just talking about leaders i'm talking about teachers who got who are like you know what i'm gonna go and teach in in there and and i'm gonna stay and i'm gonna see see it through you know that that's that's a that takes a lot of resilience to get up in the morning each day when you know you're gonna have that battle over a period of time to to make the changes you want so so fair play um what i'm gonna do now i'm gonna go to the news and when we come back i've got part one of my very special interview with The man, the myth, the legend, Danny Steele. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE-validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Do you struggle with people-pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge and empower your team through the Mal CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the assertive leadership and the emotionally intelligent leader courses. All Mal CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com. Every teacher loves stationery, right? Imagine getting a selection of fun, beautiful and unique stationery items designed and selected especially for teachers, delivered through your door every month. You need to check out teachersloveStationery.club. I'm always so excited when the box arrives. It's such a treat. My Teachers Love Stationery Club box is just a little treat to myself every month. It's always full of delightful and surprising items, including some really good quality stationery brands. And because you never know what you're going to get, it makes it even more fun and 
special when you get it. Visit teacherslovestationery.club and enter the code TTRADIO when you buy your first stationery box to save £2 today. Teacherslovestationery.club This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. This is your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. In Scotland, from the 20th of September, all staff working in schools will be able to access a toolkit of LGBTQ plus inclusive teaching resources and will have to complete a basic awareness course. LGBTQ plus history and topics will now be taught and integrated into everyday learning, making Scotland the first country in the world to make this mandatory. John Swinney, Deputy First Minister, praised the changes when they were confirmed earlier in the year, saying, Scotland is already considered one of the most progressive countries in Europe for LGBTQ plus equality. Schools in Norfolk have been impacted by the ongoing fuel crisis, with some fearing the return to online lessons. Some children who rely on special school transport arrangements have been unable to get to class. A Norfolk County Council spokesperson said, We are aware of a very few incidences where taxi drivers providing home to school transport have not been able to get fuel and are doing all we can to ensure that suitable transport remains in place. School buses have been unaffected so far, but there are 13,000 pupils in Norfolk who are eligible for funded transport to school. Former local head Jeff Barton, now General Secretary of the ASCL Head Teachers Union said, the last thing schools need is the added pressure of fuel shortages with the potential for this to mean that staff, pupils and suppliers are unable to get to school. Research conducted by SmartPurse has shown that despite financial education being included in the national curriculum since 2014, their children's financial literacy is still a concern for many parents. Guy Rigdon, CEO of MyBank, said barely a third of 7-17 year olds say they have received any form of money lessons. We cannot continue creating generations of young adults who don't know how to save or make informed decisions. For marginalised groups such as girls and young women, the margins are just too thin. It drives inequality and blights mental health. This has been your daily education news briefing. Hello and welcome back to the morning break on Teachers Talk Radio. Thanks so much for joining us live this morning. It's been delightful so far. And uh, on your 
Thursday morning, morning break. I've now got a special interview with the man, the myth, the legend, Danny Steele. Uh, Danny is somebody who I've admired from a distance on Twitter a lot uh, over the last few years. Followed him for quite a long time. Really enjoy his thoughts on education. And this interview with him did not disappoint. So have a listen, sit back, enjoy, grab a drink and uh, listen to that wisdom. Oh, we've got a call in. So I'll just answer that call first and then... We will go to Danny after that. Uh, we'll see if, is it Farad, is it Dixon, possibly? I don't know. Somebody's, oh, no, can't connect. Okay, don't worry. Um, we're going to go to the interview now. And, uh, and yeah, enjoy. Sit back, enjoy. And uh, we'll be back soon. Hello, everybody. And welcome to this amazing interview with Danny Steele. Now, Danny is also known on Twitter as at, steel thoughts um 28th year in education and this year marks his first as the principal at pell city high school and prior to that he served an assistant professor of instructional leadership principal assistant principal teacher and coach and in 2005 danny was recognized as the secondary assistant principal of the year for the state of alabama now i could go further than that but danny I'm going to finish by saying that you have your book out at the moment, which is called The Total Teacher, Understanding the Three Dimensions That Define Effective Educators. And I have to say, I love the front cover because it features a Venn diagram. Is that intentional? Why is there a Venn diagram there? Are the three parts? Well, there are there are three dimensions. Um, and um, without a doubt, these dimensions overlap. And so when you're thinking about teaching and instruction, you know, while you can talk about different dimensions, none of them happen in isolation. Uh, and so there certainly is a lot of overlap between what, uh, what teachers do day in, day out in the classroom. Um, but I also need to say, I apologize if, if I, I might have sent you an outdated, uh, a year old um, sort of biography, but oh. I actually it started at Homewood Middle School this year. It is my first year at the middle school. We, we're the we're the Homewood Patriots. So um, so I'm excited. Um, I'm excited about. Tell me tell me about your current school now. Tell tell me about the job you, you you've just started. Tell me about that. Well, it's it's a middle school in suburban Birmingham, um, uh, Birmingham, Alabama. I realized. Okay. I do a lot. I'm a history teacher. I teach a lot on Birmingham. We, we do a lot on Birmingham, Alabama, so I know it. Yeah, so uh, we've got about a thousand students in grades six through eight. And um, I just I, I hit the jackpot when I got this job. Um, we have such a phenomenal staff, a supportive uh, district office, great engaged parents. So, um, you know, I feel like I just get to walk around all day being everyone's cheerleader. And um, I, I truly have a great, great job. That's amazing. What do you, I mean, you must be into, if that bio's out of date, then I'm guessing you must be into 30 plus years now. If that's Well, this is, this is actually my 29th year. Um, so it's just, I guess, one year, just one year out of date. But I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's all right. It's my fault. I just grabbed your bio off the website. So it's my fault. I should have done that. Um, quick turnaround on this interview, but I was going to ask you what, because because twenty nine years in education is is a long time actually, it's it's a long time in education years. I, I'm in year fourteen now, 
my teaching career and I feel like I've, I've, I'm in dog years. Do you know what I mean? I feel like I'm, I'm you know, I've, I've done like 50 years. I feel like I'm close to retirement, but I'm not. I'm 36. So I'm asking, how do you keep that energy? How do you keep that enthusiasm? How do you keep coming up with steel thoughts? How do you keep doing it? How do you get up in the morning every day and go, you know what? I'm going to carry on at that level. Because because being a principal, that pressure and that high level, you know, to me, that's 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 intense. So is that because you love it? And that's what drives you? Yeah, I... Um, it, without a doubt, education, teaching, uh, school leadership, it is a challenging position. It is stressful. Specifically, teachers have so much weight. Um, it, they carry an emotional burden of, of working with young people and dealing with all sorts of um, mandates and a flood of emails. So it is a hard job for sure. But uh, I really do still absolutely love it. And I, I've always loved kids. And I've always loved being around young people. And as an administrator, I've learned to love teachers. And over the last 20 years of administration, I've really developed a respect and an appreciation for the work that they do. And I, I feel like we have such a unique opportunity. Um, like, I, I know it sounds cheesy or corny, but like every single day we can touch a kid's life. And every single day we can impact the trajectory of a student and uh, we can be a bright spot in their day. And so as an administrator, I'm also aware that I can help to shape the culture in which my teachers can thrive and my lunchroom staff and the custodians and the secretaries, like the energy that we bring to work uh, impacts, it touches everyone around us. And I mean, I never get tired of thinking about that potential. And so, yeah, like I can't hide the fact that I still really do love being in a school building. Um, you mentioned in the intro that a couple of years ago, I actually worked at a university as an assistant professor of instructional leadership. It was a great university and it was a great opportunity. But one of the things I, I learned is that I really missed being around kids. I met, I love everything about walking the halls and going to games and um, being in faculty meetings. And um, so I, I really feel like that I'm, I'm where I'm supposed to be when I'm in a school building. Do you think you're a hands-on principal? Do you think you're a principal? You, if you imagine like a, a, as you would call it in America, a soccer manager, right? In, in Britain, we call them football managers because that, that's what they are, right? But let's say we have a football manager who is like a tracksuit manager. And then we also have football managers who wear the suit and they take more of a backseat and they look at the tactics and they look at the policies. And if you, if you were to say, were you more a tracksuit manager who's involved in every coaching session and he's kind of on the coaching field every day, like more of a an Alex Ferguson, I suppose. Or are you more of a a kind of a a, a, a suit manager who who's more kind of the director and kind of looks at the policies and is more kind of set back? Well, I, I would with your analogy, I would definitely say I'm the tracksuit manager. I, I believe not only it is, is it my style to be very engaged with the people who are in the trenches who have boots on the ground. But I actually think also that's 
that makes for more effective leadership because you have your, your finger on the pulse of the school and of the faculty. Now, a caveat with that would be that uh, I, I really, um, I despise, and that's a strong word I know, but I despise micromanagement. Um, I, I think micromanaging staff, uh, teachers, it is the quickest way to sabotage the morale of your faculty. So while I'm, while I'm very much involved and I try to be very engaged, um, it's very, very important to me to trust them and to get out of their way and let them do what they do. So when I go into classes, because I'm in classrooms all the time, uh, when I go into classes, it's not to supervise or to manage, but it's, I, I wanna celebrate the great stuff that our teachers are doing. And I love seeing kids engaged in a lesson and I want them to know I care about what's going on in the classroom. So yes, it is very important for me to be very engaged, but, um, but not in a way that is kind of micromanaging. What's your, so just taking that a little bit further, you know, when you visit a classroom and, and you mentioned about uh, the celebrating and I, I, that's fantastic. What, what would your approach be as a principal who, who despises micromanagement if you saw something that you perhaps didn't like or, or, or perhaps you, you thought, you know what, this isn't what I, I want. How do you respond with that teacher in that situation? What do, what do you do? Do you, do you challenge? Do you have a meeting? Do you, you know, give them a warning or something? I don't know. Like, how do you, how do you respond in that situation? Or do you try and coach? Is that? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, another important part of my philosophy of leadership is that I try very, very hard to extend to all of the staff the benefit of the doubt. I choose to believe that everyone comes to work wanting to be awesome. And I think the vast majority of the people in our schools are really doing the best job they know how. It's not like anyone wakes up and says, you know what, I'm going to be a slacker today. Um, or my aspiring to mediocrity. Like, I just don't think how that's how most people work. They're doing the best they can do. And so if, like, if I were to go into a class for a couple minutes and I noticed that the teacher is just sitting down at the desk, the students don't seem very engaged. Um, you know, it might be tempting, I suppose, to put on a little sticky note or send an email. You know, Miss Johnson, you realize that it's best for teachers to be up walking around or your students seem very detached from the lesson. I don't know what was going on. There, there's not a, a teacher in the world that would have a positive response to that because what the teacher is gonna be thinking is, well, you missed the last 45 minutes when we had a brilliant lesson or my kids were so engaged, you came off or they're thinking, uh, my child was throwing up all night. Like, Cut me some slack. Uh, there's just, if I come in and I see something I don't like, I'm thinking it's a one-off. Like, I, I'm like, I'm gonna give the teacher the benefit of the doubt. Now, if it's something that I see repeatedly, if I'm repeatedly noticing a behavior or an activity that I think is not what we want, then I'm gonna try to have a conversation with that teacher. And it's gonna be a, a verbal conference. You know, I might ask a question like, 
help me understand what your goal was with the class because I might have I just didn't quite understand what the goal was. Um, so it's going to be a question that encourages reflection, but it's not going to be a question that is accusatory. At least that's my goal. Um, you know, I, yeah, I, I think instructional people think of instructional leaders oftentimes and they think of this expertise about curriculum and pedagogy um, and best practices and that, you know, instructional leadership is about uh, principals or directors making teachers better. To me, that's not instructional leadership. To me, instructional leadership is creating the conditions in the school where teachers can improve themselves, creating the, the safe space for teachers to reflect and be vulnerable and collaborate with colleagues. So, um, so I can pretty much guarantee you that if I see something that I that doesn't sit right with me in a classroom, unless it's something so blatant and flagrant that, yeah. that violates board policy or compromises yeah. safety, I'm gonna I'm gonna just chalk that up to maybe the teacher had a hard night and maybe yeah. they're asleep. Maybe the teacher has a headache. Um, yeah. Maybe that kid's maybe that kid has a headache and that's why their head is on the desk. And the teacher said, "Go ahead and take a nap." Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Interestingly on that, I've seen you doing your, I think it's basketball training. There's a picture of you. I might, um, I think it's you anyway, on your Twitter of you stood there with the kids in a circle and you in the training um, top doing your, doing your presumably after school coaching, or is that actually a lesson that you're teaching? I mean, what is that? Is that, is that a, something you're doing for fun or is that, what, what is that? Or is that coaching the team, the school team, you know, because that's quite, that's quite, for us in Britain, uh, I mean, it does happen. You, you know, you will occasionally have a principal or, as you would call it, administrator who who would who would coach the teams or whatever. But but generally speaking, not because they wouldn't have time to do it or right. they wouldn't want to. Yeah, I'm not sure what picture you're referring to. I did coach when I was a teacher. Oh, that could have been that could have been the picture. Then I don't know. It was like a yeah, I've not i've not been a full-time coach with the school in in many years right i'm always looking for opportunities to talk to to talk to teams and so yeah i sat by volleyball practice you know a few weeks that ago. could have been it that could have been you just stood there talking and i was just i was looking like like every time i see a group of students yeah um or a group of staff like for me that's an opportunity to try to encourage and inspire those kids yeah. um as teachers so um it's not something though that i do every day i'll see if i can put it in here maybe i can i oh, know it won't let me the picture i found but anyway yeah yeah that's cool hey I, I thought that was you coaching but it might have just been you talking to a group of kids there in the gym or whatever that was yeah. the picture i probably I, I, I do that i do that a lot so no i'm not a full-time coach but, I was gonna say. <laughs> but i do talk to groups of students a lot <clears throat> yeah that was what i was going to come on to next is <clears throat> I suppose there's two questions in one here is, and by the way, I'm sorry these are so challenging, these questions, because some of them are quite challenging, but how do you think the um, students see you? And how do you think the staff see you? And how would you like them to see you? So there's, I guess there's two there. It's like, how do you think they see you on the whole? I mean, obviously, there's going to be individuals there, so I'm, I'm kind of generalizing here, but on the whole how do you want to be seen uh and how how do you think you are seen how do you hope to be seen you know i suppose there's two there how you hope to be seen and how you are seen 
I know that's quite a difficult question to answer. No, no, it's a good one. Um, I, so I've been this school's principal for two months. Yeah. And we haven't even been in school that long. So I'm in the process of getting to know our staff and students, and they're in the process of getting to know me. And they want to know what it is that I care about. And yeah. you know, I have pet peeves. What are those? Uh, so at our very first faculty meeting, I did share this in my, in my talk. I had some slides, and this was one of the things on the slide. The title of the slide is My Big Three. And um, I said, you know, this is not necessarily, I'm not giving you an exhaustive list here of things that I really care about, but these I think are my big three. And they've been my big three really for as long as I can think of. Uh, the first is we're here for kids. You know, we're here to make a difference uh, in students' lives, to help create for them a brighter future, to build relationships for them, uh, relationships with them. The second is, as a school leader, I believe very, very strongly in a culture of collaboration uh, among the adults. So I, I really want that to be something that defines our faculty, that defines our culture, is that we collaborate for the benefit of the students. Not that we all have to hang out with each other on the weekends and be best uh, best mates, uh, but that we are going to work together because that's when kids, ben students benefit when the adults work well together. And then third, uh, I want, it's important to me to bring positive energy to work every day. And, you know, we all give off vibes, you know, good vibes, bad vibes, there's really no neutral. And, and we, so we impact the energy that we bring to work, that we bring in the school building, it impacts not just our students, but our colleagues. And so it's not, you know, we're going to deal with problems. We're going to deal with adversity. We're dealing with the same pandemic that everyone else in the world is dealing with. But we're, so we're not going to be Pollyanna and just bury our head in the sand. We're going to deal with our challenges, but you're always in the best frame of mind to tackle those challenges and come up with productive solutions when you have a positive mindset. So that energy, is, is important to me. Um, so, so those are how do how do you out of interest? How do you kind of define that positive energy? I mean, what what does that mean in practice? You know, if you said to me, Tom, I want you to wipe that wipe that kind of sad face off and, and right. get that positive energy. What does it mean? Right. So, uh, in terms of the sort of the second part of your question, um, how do I people how, how do yeah. I people to think of me? How do they think of me? I told our, our teachers at the first faculty meeting, I said, I love being your principal. And if you don't know that I love being your principal, then I'm not doing it right. And I told our students that at grade level assemblies, yeah. I love working at Homewood Middle School. I love being around you guys. I love being your principal. And if you don't know that, then I got I to gotta work doing something different. So. I told our teachers, it is my hope to be very, very transparent with what I care about and with what I value. And I don't want there to be ever any ambiguity about what I care about, about what I value. And I told, I've started telling people I work with that one of my goals as a principal is to be very, very predictable. By that, I mean, I want you to understand what makes me tick what inspires me, what fires me up, what I care about. So, so you know 
what you won't be, be surprised about what sort of a decision I make, because you know that hopefully, well, you know, Danny cares about the kids. So that's what's going to drive his decision. Or Danny's going to try to figure out a way for the adults to collaborate about this because he cares about that. Um, so, so I hope, I hope that, that everyone in the building knows that I love what I do, that I love our students and our staff, and I'm committed to bringing, a, uh, to helping to be a part of a positive school culture where the kids enjoy learning and the adults enjoy working. Now, that doesn't mean that we all have every day as, you know, peaches and cream and rainbows and unicorns. We all have bad days. And so we all need to have a colleague that we vent to from time to time. But uh, one of the things I talk about in, in the book, The Total Teacher, is it's important to vent behind closed doors to a, to a trusted colleague. Yeah. Yeah. Don't use the lunch table or the teacher's lounge or the hallway where everyone can hear you. Don't use that as the place to vent because then that just saps the energy out of the entire school. So um, you can't, you know, if when you're having a hard time or if you're if you're kind of in a funk or or you're dealing with some tough stuff at home, like you can't just wave a magic wand and just put on a happy face. I get it. But it is it is important as much as possible to try to bring good energy because it's going to it really is going to carry over to your to not just your students in your classroom, but to your colleagues that you're working with. So I, I, I see myself that way. And I really hope that that's how the staff and the students see me. That's brilliant. I honestly, that's inspiring. Like it really is to listen to. Do you, I, in terms of that, you've obviously taken on this new role and, you know, and, and this is more a general leadership question, I guess, but you know, they always talk about the hundred days, right? They always talk about, you know, in all these leadership books, it's like, okay, I'm going to come in and I'm going to observe for a hundred days before I do anything. Right. I'm going to like, you know, see, see everything, observe everything, collect the information, and then I'm going to act. Do you buy into that? Is that something you buy into, like sitting back, watching, waiting, observing, and then kind of going once you've built up a picture of what you're doing? Or are you somebody who just sees something and goes for it? Like you don't, you don't kind of wait. You just go that that needs dealing with now. I'm dealing with it. Well, several things. Um, I told you earlier that I have joined a great team. We have a great yeah. and it's in a great school system and it's in a great community. So I have that luxury of not having to put out lots of fires. I've inherited something good. And so I told the teachers at the beginning, yeah, my I'm not coming in trying to shake things up. Um, my sort of default mode is to sort of do what we've been doing because it's been working great unless people lobby me that we need to tweak something or change something. So that's, that's one part of the answer. This summer, one of the first things I did is I asked our staff to nominate representatives from the faculty to serve on a leadership team. So we put together a leadership team representing the different segments of the faculty. And I met with them this summer. And I also surveyed the faculty. Tell me just three questions. Tell me something that you love about the school that we definitely got to keep doing. Tell me something that you really think we need to try to tweak. And then tell me something that could just take our school to the next level. So this provided some feedback. 
Um, and when I met with the leadership team, we were able to flesh that out a little bit. Yeah. I believe very, very strongly in the, in the, in, in sort of going sort of slowly and methodically through the process. Hmm. Uh, it's a mistake to shortchange that process of getting people's feedback of talking to stakeholders of when you do want to roll something out, working to get buy-in. Um, so, uh, I don't have any sort of a arbitrary yeah. number a set philosophy. Uh, for I get implementing it. something. Yeah. But if, if the leadership team comes to me and says, Hey, this is something we need to try. I'm like, okay, let's get after it. Um, but it's not me saying this is something we need to do. Yeah. It's a grassroots movement from the staff. And, and then we're going to go ahead and do it. If we feel like we have the infrastructure in place to do it, I'm not going to wait for an arbitrary milestone days or whatever i want to go back to one of the statements you made earlier about um and and i loved it when you said you despise micromanagement i love that right what can you give me some examples within the education domain right of things where you think a lot of teachers in the us britain australia wherever a lot of teachers are doing these things and they're being micromanaged while they're doing them and they don't make a difference can you give me maybe some examples where you might go, we're stripping that out. We're stripping that out. We're going to do less of that. It may, it may be systems and process. It is it maybe strategies. It may be whatever, but is there anything where you put it in the bin where, you know, if you looked at it and you went, that's a waste, that's wasting our time. That's micromanagement. That's we're going to bin that. Well, the, the, the first thing that comes to mind is lesson plans and now, a, a caveat here is that while I don't like collecting lesson plans or looking at lesson plans, there are some great principals who do. Mm. So I don't mean to um, cast a shadow over any of the great administrators out there that review lesson plans. But my, my personal philosophy is, is that our teachers, are they're planning their lessons. And... Uh, they're doing great work. And I'm in the classrooms on a daily basis, not every classroom, but yeah. I am in the classrooms every day. And so I see what teachers are doing. I see yeah. what they're doing. And so I'm not going to ask teachers to jump through extra hoops by creating a certain document with a certain template, you know, ticking off all these bullets. Um, to prove to me that they're teaching the curriculum the way they need to teach it, how they need to be teaching it. Uh, I'm going to trust that as professionals, that's what they're doing. So now if I've got a teacher who is repeatedly not prepared and repeatedly disorganized and, and not being effective in the classroom, I might ask that teacher to turn in lesson plans to me. But if 95%, I'm not going to ask um, 100 teachers to turn in lesson plans to me when 99% of them are already taking care of business. I'm going to trust them to do that. Um, so that's an example of something this year that I tried to take off teachers' plates. Um, now, there are great principals who review lesson plans, and there, there's value that can come to that. That's yeah. just not my style. Um, and so that's one thing that I've tried to do, to yeah. take a little bit off a teacher's plate. Yeah. Um, when um, 
when teachers are meeting or when they're collaborating, um, I might I might pop into that meeting, but but I don't feel like that they I don't feel like I have to sit there and observe the meeting to make sure that they're doing it. Um, and I don't need them to, to report back to me. Yeah. Now, times I realize it's, it's my job to hold everyone in the building accountable. Mm. And so there's sometimes a, a tension between trust and accountability. Um, you know, if I'm trusting them to do what they're supposed to do as professionals, why do I have to turn around and hold them accountable? I don't have the great solution to that. That's a tension that, you know, people like yeah. me wrestle with. Yeah. But, but I want them to, 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 I don't ever want them to think I'm hovering over their shoulder, looking over what they're doing, yeah. just sure that they're on task and doing what they're supposed to be doing as professionals. Yeah. yeah. Got you. Yeah. Cause I mean, in, in Britain, we, we do have issues with, with lots of things, you know, whether it be marking and uh, an assessment planning, um, there's lots of things that, that are, are you, like you would describe, I guess there's a lot of micromanagement going on in a lot of organizations. And, and, and obviously in Britain, we've got a real problem with kind of retaining teachers. Uh, there's a lot of teachers quitting the profession. Uh, I think it's something like one in five who qualify end up quitting in the first five years. There's a lot of a lot of teachers just just leaving and packing it in due to workload mainly, um, and, and I wondered if you have that issue in the U.S. and and how you try and address that in terms of retaining your teachers in your school. You know how do you, how do you how do you look after a teacher's well being? How do you make sure that they're okay? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, the, the the burnout is it's it's everywhere. Um, like I said at the beginning, I mean, teaching is a hard job. It's stressful and there's yeah. so many demands. Yeah. One thing I would point out is that a lot of the, a lot of it, stuff trickles downhill. And so sometimes when teachers are, are being asked by their administration to jump through hoops and yeah. generate all of this paperwork, it's because central office is telling the principals, we need all this documentation. And sometimes that's because the state department or whatever's above our central office is asking them. It just flows downhill. Yeah. So I, there's very few principals that I know who are just sitting around coming up with paperwork for teachers to do. It's usually they're held accountable by their yeah. boss. Yeah. Everyone feels like they have to cover themselves and, and, you know, document what they're doing. Um, anytime that I have leeway and I can create, um, I can create, uh, I can, I can cut some slack to teachers and, um, and like, if there's ever some documentation, um, like what I can think of one time is, uh, I've worked in schools where all the teachers had to write a professional development plan. Mm -hmm. I, I really believe in professional development, staff development, but the way that we had to do it with this form, it was just all the teachers viewed it as jumping through hoops. And they were just had to fill out this documentation so we can upload it online to satisfy the higher ups. So what I did is I drafted, I drafted up a professional learning plan that was very thorough, that sort of covered all our bases. I, I ran it by a couple of our, of our teachers to make sure they felt good about it. And then I sent it out to the whole staff. And I said, feel free to copy and paste if you want to. Yeah. It was, it was something 
that was it was a big relief to a lot of our teachers to not have to generate all of that original verbiage to satisfy this paperwork. So that's like a little thing, but anytime if I can come up with a way, yeah, like we're getting we're getting ready to um, maybe do a, a budget and we got a budget committee and we kind of know what we're going to be doing. Uh, we know how we're going to vote, how we're going to allocate the the few resources we've got. Yeah. So write up all of the paperwork, um, do a quick email saying, are you are you guys good with what we're recommending here? And then run around and get their signatures real quick to save a meeting because that's nobody wants to sit in meetings. Yeah, yeah. And so I, if there's, I mean, will you cancel them? Will you just say we're canceling this meeting? We don't need it. Is that? I mean, if it's a scheduled well, meeting and you think I've, I, I, we don't need this meeting because sometimes well, in schools you've just got a ton of calendared meetings and you just like we go can, do. It. If I can, it is one of my goals in lifetime to never schedule dumb meetings. I, well, hang on, you're talking to me, Danny. You've, you've agreed to this for an hour. I don't want to be the one who scheduled that meeting that everyone is resenting. So, yeah, if it's possible for me to handle something through an email, I'm going to do that. Yeah. If it's possible for me to catch a lot of people in one-on-one -on -one conversations, I do that so much. Where I do quick one-on-one -on -one conversations. I see if we have consensus and, and kind of knock it out that way. Um, something that one of my role models in education is a guy named Todd Whitaker, and uh, he wrote a book called What Great Principles Do Differently. And one of the chapters that always stood out to me is he said, great principles spend time on things that matter, on things that add value. And the stuff that is jumping through hoops, if it's a report due to the State Department, then I'm going to wait to the very last second to do that. Yeah. And I'm going to spend as little energy on it as possible. So if it's something that is really important to us as a school and it adds a lot of value, we're going to, we're gonna, not going to cut any corners. Yeah. We're going to do it thoroughly. But if it's something that really doesn't add any value, I'm going to cut every corner I can that's ethical and, uh, you know, that allows me to sleep at night. Um, yeah, I just don't want to waste any time or energy on stuff that doesn't add value. And I certainly don't want to waste the time and energy of our staff members on things that I could help to handle. I think there's that idea of leaders being a kind of umbrella. So they don't, like you mentioned at the very beginning there, you said about trickling down and, and kind of the stress just transferring down the chain and, and, and kind of, is it is it the role of the leader to kind of protect, if you like, to try and filter that, that stuff so a lot of it doesn't go down? Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt, I um, that is an important part of school based administration is to sometimes serve as a buffer uh, with the faculty from the stuff that just can weigh them down. Um, you asked about, you know, teacher self care. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Pink is a business leader here in the States who's written yeah. some business type books and he's got a book called drive which is about human motivation. And he's trying to synthesize the research that what yeah. is, what does the research say about what motivates people? And um, I've tried to glean some of that and, and think about how it applies to teachers and school leaders. So the three, three little, uh, th his three characteristics, he says that motivates people and that creates intrinsic motivation. Uh, number one, they feel competent. They have mastery in what they're doing. Yeah. They feel capable and competent. Number two, they have feel like they have some autonomy. They're not micromanaged. 
And number three, they feel like it's meaningful, like what they're doing makes a difference. So my goal is to create a, a school environment and, and conditions at work where our staff members are all motivated. So that's, I want to make sure I'm giving them all the resources and training they need to be successful. Uh, I want to make sure that they always feel trusted as professionals, that they don't feel micromanaged. And I hope to never miss an opportunity to encourage our staff with the difference that they make. I continually want to remind them that the work they're doing is meaningful. And so that's, I can't control some of the outside circumstances that can sap motivation, whether it's, you know, crazy parents or uh, goofy mandates from the state level uh, or national level, certainly cannot control a pandemic. But the things that are, with under, that are within our control, I wanna do everything I can to, to increase that motivation level for the teachers. Super. And the more they are, the more they're able to combat that burnout. I mean, like, yeah, in a sense, it's kind of like the opposite of motivation. And so the more I can try to mitigate those things that can burn them out and try to increase their motivation, um, I, I think that's that's helpful. But but it's also important to be aware that just like, you know, we want teachers to be aware that students come with baggage and that students deal with drama at their house. We've got kids going through custody disputes. We've got kids who are dealing with neglect um, or are lonely or are depressed. Like we have adults in our building that are dealing with all the same stuff. Mm. Adults, teachers that are going through divorce or teachers who are having to take care of elderly parents um, or teachers who for whatever reason, they're going through crises in their life. Yeah, It's important as a school leader, these are also things that can affect the stress, you know, that they bring to work. So it's important for school leaders to, to show to their teachers, to their staff, the exact same grace and compassion that we want them to show to their students. Wow, 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 wow. What an interview. What a man. Amazing. Uh, thank you so much to Danny for part... That's only part one of my interview with Danny Steele. Can you believe that? It's only part one. So there's like way more to come, right? Uh, we got... We, I, I actually, in part two, which will be coming next week, I actually go through all of his, like, my top versions of his Steele Thought tweets. Right. And it's hilarious because they're just all amazing. And by the end, I'm just flummoxed by the quality of his thoughts. Right. Still thoughts. Um, so that'll be part two next week. I can't wait for that. Right. So make sure you tune in to the morning break next Thursday for part two of that interview. And I'm going to be listening back again to that interview because there's so many nuggets that I want to kind of reflect on from what from what Danny said. That's actually the second time I've just listened to that interview again. I think that's the third time I've listened to it now with editing and, and pre-recording. So it's it's amazing. You know, I've picked up more stuff just from listening to that again. So thank you so much to Danny. Uh, and as I say, uh, part two of that interview will be on my show next week. And I can't wait. Need support with your phonics teaching? 
Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE-validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Do you struggle with people pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge and empower your team through the Mal CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course? Or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the assertive leadership and the emotionally intelligent leader courses. All Mal CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com. Every teacher loves stationery, right? Imagine getting a selection of fun, beautiful and unique stationery items designed and selected especially for teachers delivered through your door every month. You need to check out teachersloveStationery.club. I'm always so excited when the box arrives. It's such a treat. My Teachers Love Stationery Club box is just a little treat to myself every month. It's always full of delightful and surprising items, including some really good quality stationery brands. And because you never know what you're going to get, it makes it even more fun and special when you get it. Visit teachersloveStationery.club and enter the code TTRADIO when you buy your first stationery box to save £2 today. TeachersloveStationery.club That's it from me. Uh, I'll see you next week. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.